This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Have you ever found yourself wondering, what does it actually mean to live the one thing? And when you ask that type of a question, you you search for an answer. Maybe you have an idea of what you think it looks like to live the one thing at the highest level. You start taking action, and it's not quite as easy as you thought it would be. In this episode, we are going to demystify what it means to live the one thing. We're going to have a conversation with a woman who has been living it at a pretty high level for a year. And as you're going to hear in her story, I think she was a little skeptical when she started living it, yet she had a very powerful reason to push through. Partly because her job was on the line. If she didn't live it, she wasn't going to keep her job. And that's because she works for us. For the past year, she has been my right hand. She is someone who has taken over the content for The One Thing, helped us grow our membership community, and brought a lot of strategy to how we help you live the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. In this episode, we're going to hear her story about what it has looked like and why it always wasn't easy, and some of the things that have really surprised her a year in that you can start doing immediately. With that, let's get into this episode with Kaylin Less. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Kaylin, before we dive into what your journey has looked like over the past year, help us understand what your life looked like prior to The One Thing. Well, prior to The One Thing, I was a consultant working with small businesses and small teams, helping them solve big problems in their organizations. And I was traveling a lot and working across industries. And really, despite of myself, I was pretty successful in this role, even though I was geographically stretched, emotionally stretched, and challenged in big ways that I'd never been challenged before. Well, help us understand when you say you were you were successful in spite of yourself. What do you mean by that? I worked all the time and I didn't quite have an off button. And I might even say that I took a little bit of pride in that, that I could work all the time, that I still had energy when other people might get tired. So it maybe my ego showed up in that way where I really wanted to perform all the time and continue to have sort of a nonstop lifestyle. What was the story you told yourself at that time that made you think it was almost a badge of honor? I think the thing about work ethic is that it can very quickly slide into being addicted to work and having your self-worth attached to the work and your output. And it's an easy lie to tell yourself that you just like working hard and you really take pride in what you do. But 
it can very quickly start to take over what your life actually is and work becomes everything. What was happening in your life that made you look up and say, I need to make a change? I think the thing about when you're working at that level and that intensity for so long is it it can maintain itself to a certain point. And then when it stops working, it really stops working. So I was really all over the place, hopping on planes, jumping across the country, and starting to let people down. I felt like every time I was on one project that I was letting someone else down, whether it was my personal relationships or whether it was another client that I was trying to um, partner with. And that domino effect really started to take over. So really at that point, like I knew that there was something that needed to change. I didn't know what it was. So I started to explore my options. Fast forward, you and your partner Brent moved to Austin. You have the opportunity to start working with us. I remember early on, I shared with you something that Jay said to me when I first started working with him and Gary, which was, look, we're the one thing. And we're not just thought leaders. We're practice leaders, which means you have to go on your own road to mastery on the one thing. You don't have to be perfect. You're going to fail, but you have to be living the book. And the fastest way to get out of business with us is to not live the book. And I remember sharing this with you. What came to your mind at that time? So many things. <laughs> First of all, what felt like an opportunity is that I was in this like life reset moment where we had a new city, we had a new life, a new community, a new job. And the benefit of having everything like a blank slate is that I had the opportunity to build habits and start ways of doing that I'd never done before without the resistance of old patterns. And on the flip side, I felt like I read this amazing book and was inspired, but the tactical actions to implement it in my own life felt really intimidating and felt like maybe I was being told what to do and how to think and how to process. And that accountability to my process, it felt a little bit restrictive. And you and I talked a lot about that at the beginning because I am a free spirit that likes to take charge and do things and get things done. But my freedom to do it my way, for some reason, is really important to me. And when you told me that the one thing is the way I've got to do it, it was a little intimidating. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this is a, a great lesson for anybody who's in a leadership capacity to understand the natural personality profile of who you work with. We have an assessment that we use in the hiring process. And one of the things we looked at was a trait called adaptability, which is how likely is that person to adapt to someone's way of doing things in any moment. Somebody who's really high in adaptability is happy to bend to that. Your adaptability, you were like a 1 out of 10. And there, there's no good or bad. It's just understanding who they are. So right off the bat, you and I both understood that you naturally wouldn't just dive in and trust everything. You were going to question. You were going to ask why. And that definitely showed up in the first 90 days. Absolutely. Because for me... The idea that I was representing something, I had to know full well that it was something I could stand behind. If I was going to put my name on it, I needed to poke holes in it and test it and wrestle with it versus just trust fall in, into this proven model. While it's proven, it hasn't been proven in my life. And you know, there's that idea that like, oh, but I'm special. I need, I need to do it this way. And I found it really challenging. And at the same time, I wonder as I remember that journey that if I had not had somebody to hold me accountable to doing it, if I would have cheated. 
And what's interesting is my partner, Brent, when I told him about the 411 and all these new principles and tools, he was ready to go. So we were doing our 411s on Sundays and taking time to really talk about our priorities. And I had this internal accountability and accountability at work that through my process and as I was trying to understand and test the models and test the systems, I had a sounding board to help me unpack the challenges I was experiencing and celebrate the victories along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to reiterate something for, for, for people. We know what it's like to start living this journey on your own. It, uh, you read the book, you listen to the podcast, you go through any of our trainings, you go, wow, that is so simple. And then you start trying to live it and you realize it doesn't mean it's easy. And it's very, Caitlin, you said it like, you know, well, well, it's not necessarily proven in my life and this is my way of doing it. We feel this need to get creative with a proven model. We tell ourselves a story that we're going to add our spin to it. And oftentimes it's just a cheat versus just saying, hey, this is a proven process. Let me just follow it. And you had, the benefit of having accountability in the form of a weekly 411 with me. You know, so many of our people have a coach who holds them accountable. And in the absence of that, being a part of a community that speaks the language, it's why we created Living Your One Thing. We've got almost a thousand people that every single week are doing a weekly 411 because they just need to be surrounded by that type of mindset. So wherever you are in your journey, just under, I would look inward and ask the question. Am I actually following the process or am I cheating? I've heard Gary Keller say in, in, in many of our, our models, you're going to follow the process now or you're going to follow the process later. You will follow the process. So Kaylin, I'm curious for you when you kind of accepted the fact that yes, this is a standard. It, part of our culture is that we are practice leaders and we live the book. Was it easy? Learning something new is always a challenge. So there was a learning curve. Yet the unexpected benefit or the thing that happened that I just didn't anticipate was that as we talked through my priorities each week and as I processed them before my week started, I started to realize that I had this language to communicate with you and to voice my concerns, my struggles, my victories. And I felt so honored by those conversations because we really got to be on the same page and I felt so supported. Can you think back to one of those moments when you realized that all of a sudden there was a new common language between us? Yeah, I remember talking through it. It was a particularly high intensity time at the one thing as we were getting ready for one of our big events. And what I realized is that we had this shared common language to talk about our one thing. So if you know Jeff Woods, he's always wants to stop by and he's got all these ideas, super excited. And I could very quickly and easily explain to him, Jeff, I'm working on my one thing right now. Can we connect in 10 minutes? And it was so simple and efficient. Oh, the way that we communicated was so efficient because we knew how to respect each other's time. I could disappear for a few hours, not respond to email, not respond to a call. And you knew that I was working on my one thing. I didn't have to explain it away or make excuses for not being available to you 24-7. And yet, as that 
at started to develop, I remember it, I just was so convicted at what a language of respect this is because it allows you to respect my time, my priorities, my needs. And at the same time, I get to respect yours and support each other through the process. Mm-hmm. So that first moment you really remember is me stopping by with an idea and you just saying, Jeff, I'm doing my one thing right now. And seeing that instantly, I understood what that means and walked away. What are some other things that over the past year you've realized, wow, this is, this is part of the language of the one thing? It sounds so simple and it is, but no is so powerful. And learning to say no in a way that I can bring it back to our priorities. It's not me saying no because I don't want to or because I'm too overwhelmed or because I'm too stressed. It's me saying no because I line it up against our priorities for the year, for the month, for the week. And I say, is this helping me? Does this support these goals? If it doesn't, I got to say no. And having those conversations with you, sometimes we can have a tussle about it because you might be able to make a case for it. And we can banter in that way to really identify whether it serves these goals. And in those moments, we can be informed and purposeful about the direction that we're going versus quickly reacting and trying to take on one more thing because it sounds like a great idea and we hope it's going to help us. We're not sure, but at least if we can manage it, we'd like to get it done. Learning to say no to you and having you honor that. And it's been amazing. And this is what I'll share. Um, As a leader, I don't know that at any point in time I sat down and at least with working with Kaylin said, this is going to be our culture and I am going to give her permission to say no. And and we're going to establish this language of respect. It was not that purposeful to begin with. Yet we focused on doing one thing. Each one of us just living the book ourselves. And with that came leveraging a model for that. Holding weekly 411s. And when you hold a weekly 411, you yourself have clarity on the handful of priorities you got to focus on this year in your professional and your personal life. And once you get that, you identify the handful of priorities you're going to focus on this month to be on track for your year. And once you get clarity on those, you then identify the handful of priorities you can accomplish this week so that you know you're on track for your month, which automatically puts you on track for your year. And when you hold a 411 with your people when each of you have that level of clarity. All of a sudden, in those moments when I felt so excited to tell Kaylin something and she says, I'm doing my one thing right now, I just know, oh, snap, I'm the distraction. Walk away. Or when I want to chase a new shiny object, which how often does that happen? All the time, every day. All the time. Times a day. All the time, <laughs> every day. I, I love shiny objects. For her to say, Jeff, if that's the if that's the new one thing, what are we saying no to? Or is that really the one thing? Just to be able to ask questions like that, we fast forward, all of a sudden this culture has become created. We established this language of respect together and we're looking up and going, oh my gosh, look at what this looks like. So I want everybody... We're sharing this episode with you because we want you to understand that wherever you are inside the organization, all leadership begins with self-leadership. And whether your company embraces this type of a culture currently or not, by simply focusing on getting clarity on your priorities yourself, holding a weekly 411, that makes everything else easier or unnecessary. 
And if for those of you who are going, what the heck is a 411? Go to the one thing.com slash training. That's with the number one in the URL. You will see under the basics courses, there will be a course on the 411 that'll walk you through it and help you fill one out. So what's interesting, Jeff, is that as I've been living the one things since last year, and then I've been able to be here through the cycles of our mid-year event and our couples goal setting retreat. What was awesome is that in November, Brent and I went away and we examined our life, every area of our life, the seven circles, and basically gave ourselves a grade between one and 10. One being needs support, SOS, there's, there's an area of opportunity here, and 10 being everything's awesome. And fast forward five months now, and we examined our little workbook, right? So we had all of this documented. Looking at that chart of seven circles, every single area of our life has improved in just five months. And it wasn't like a magical, dramatic, presto changeo new life. It was slow and steady and things are stacking up and things are moving in directions because we had set certain goals for someday from now and they've already happened within five months. That's wild. So here's what's interesting. You said it, it happened slowly. Yet you're saying goals that when you guys got away and did a retreat as a couple, you set goals that you're thinking, hey, maybe someday from now, we can do this. And it happened in less than five months. Why did it feel slow? Because it didn't feel like a sprint. It didn't feel like I was racing. And remember how I talked about my life before the one thing? Mm -hmm. And that exhaustion and being stretched so thin? When we set those goals, it wasn't like we were stretching ourselves so thin and racing to the finish line. We were so clear on things that we wanted to achieve and opportunities that we wanted to take action on that when things happened and when those opportunities arised, it was so easy to be a yes because it was a yes on our goals. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think the other thing is um, when you are when you were traveling all over the country, saying yes to everything, you were working hard, you weren't working smart, and you were burning out. Yet when you cast a vision for your life with Brent, and you got really clear, not everything that you want, the handful of things that mattered most in the key areas of your life, you isolated lead dominoes. You knew what the lead dominoes were that you needed to knock down. And I think the reason people, it oftentimes feels slow is because if you just knock the two-inch domino down, it doesn't feel like much. But if you knock that two-inch domino down day after day after day, over even a period of time like five months, it's sequential. It's not simultaneous. Yet it stacks up really fast. And all of a sudden, in a very short period of time, you guys have achieved things that you probably didn't think were possible. Absolutely. And what I underestimated was the power of alignment. And that goes for in a team, in a business, when you're aligned and you know what you want to achieve together, it's so much easier to make it happen. And it's so much more efficient. And you can support one another in a more meaningful way. And the same thing goes with any relationship. When you're in alignment with what you want to achieve, anything's possible. Let's fly back. Let's fly back up to to ten thousand feet. You know, because if, if I'm listening to this, I'm hearing, okay, um, your life prior to the one thing was a bit chaotic. You were on a path for burnout. You come to the one thing. You you naturally hear that you have to live it, and there's a high level of accountability there. And especially for somebody who's you don't just trust fall into things. You really question them and are a bit skeptical. It wasn't necessarily an easy path, yet you've achieved so much. 
in such a, a short period of time. When you reflect back on the past year, what is apparent to you now that wasn't before? All the small things that brought me here, like isolating that lead domino in the moment feels so small. It feels almost not even worth mentioning. It's it's not high five worthy. You're not going to get a party for that lead domino. And yet it's the lead domino that makes it possible. And that journey is so empowering because when you see it and you stretch it out over time and you can look back and say, oh my word, that really was it. It wasn't a big giant action that took a bunch of force. It was the small, tiny, repeatable things over time when change happens. I remember we were doing a, a training inside a company a few weeks ago and we walked them through this. Somebody said, it, it, we did an exercise to help them identify their one thing. And you know you have a correctly domino when it's, it's, it's small. It's a two-inch domino that with the flick of a finger, it falls. Yet it's so powerful that because your dominoes are lined up, it truly can make everything else easier or unnecessary. And I remember somebody in the group said, it almost feels like cheating. It almost feels like you're cheating. It's so small. And Kaylin, you even said earlier today, you start knocking it down and you're succeeding so slowly, it feels like failure. Can you think of a time where you felt that way? That I was succeeding so slowly, I thought I was failing? Yeah. I mean, all the time. I think that (laughs) (laughs) the thing about failure is that it has this imminent sort of presence sometimes when maybe you're not super confident in what you're doing or it's new or it's a really big goal. So it feels unachievable. And that failure, it almost feels like it's just going to pop out and surprise you and like, oops, yep, you were right. You were failing. But the persistence to keep doing the work when no one's celebrating and no one's noticing perhaps because it is small things. Those two-inch dominoes don't get noticed often on the outside. And it's an internal journey as well as when you get to that point where there's an outcome and you can finally be like, whoa, that really did make the difference. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, Jeff, that you do have to look back and reflect in order to see that difference sometimes. Sometimes we don't notice it until we've walked through it. And then when you have the gift of hindsight, you can examine the actions that it took to get you where you are. Yeah. So we, at the beginning of the episode, we talked about demystifying what it means to live the one thing. What does it mean to live the one thing for you? I'm going to rephrase that for you because I think... Oh, it's almost like you're in charge of content. <laughs> I think that when I talk to a lot of the people in our community, there's this idea that there's a perfect way to live your one thing. and that you've got to do the work and you've got to do the 411 and if you've got to have planning time and you've got to have this and that when you do all those things, the pieces of the one thing, the principles, the models, the tools, they are all in service of my goals. And me making the perfect 411, if it's just the perfect 411 and that's the objective, that's the outcome, but it doesn't serve my goals, then it really wasn't working for me. And so sometimes we get really persnickety and focus on these tiny, tiny, tiny bits of 
details versus zooming out into that big picture and that bigger view of time and thinking, what is my goal? What do I want to achieve? And how am I going to get there? And it's the work day to day and the tools support that. What I'm hearing you say, Kaylin, is you need to give yourself some grace that living the one thing is a journey and we provide models, ways to live this at the highest level. And what we have witnessed is people viewing that as the standard, that you are not successful living the one thing unless you are doing it to a level of perfection. And it just doesn't exist because that's not the goal. It's all about, based on what your goal is, using the tools to be appropriate in the moment. It's not about a perfect 411. It's not about having perfect time blocks or saying no to everything that's a distraction or acting perfectly in order of priority. It's about how can you behave today in a way that is in alignment with your goals? And how can you do better tomorrow and the next day over time? And you know what else, Jeff? It's also with that, those goals are important because it's who I'm trying to become. So even if I set a really big goal and I fail to achieve that goal, but I've learned things along the way and I'm stronger and I'm smarter and I'm choosing new ways of doing because I went on that path to achieve that big giant goal, like that's the end game is that I'm trying to become better than I was yesterday and envisioning the woman I want to become someday from now. And that's the that's the kicker, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's not about the perfect this or the perfect that. It's about just who we want to become. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say to somebody who's listening to this who's a leader inside an organization or they own their own company? How what would you suggest they start doing immediately when it comes to living the one thing? The first thing that seems small but is really powerful is that common language that we share. I didn't realize how powerful that was until after we were working together for some time. And now, you know, it's been over a year. And the way that we work together is because we know the language that each other speaks and we know the language of our goals. Building a relationship with your goals that you can all talk about it in the same way, it's huge. Even if it's just teaching your team what that one thing means, like, this is my one thing, what's your one thing? It's a simple mm-hmm. question. It's the foundation of the 411. And if it's tough, if it's too big a question, start smaller. For those who are listening to this, whether they're a leader or an individual contributor, what would you suggest they start doing immediately to live the one thing at a higher level? If you just start by using the language and asking people, what's your one thing today? And asking yourself, what's my one thing today? You start to develop a shared way of thinking, way of doing that I think has so much momentum as you start to continue to use it in your organization and in your team. It sounds so simple. And I know it's, it's, sometimes, counterintu- it's sometimes counterintuitive, but that's how I would start. Well, I th- and what I love about what you just said, Kaylin, is Everything you've said in this episode talks about... If we started by saying, all right, for those of you who are leaders, um, by the end of this episode, you're going to know how you can create a brand new language, a language with your team that ensures ultimate respect, that people have clarity on their priorities and an effortless way to say no. You know That is, for most companies, a huge challenge. They cannot figure that out. And for you to say that the lead domino is just to ask, 
What's your one thing? That is, that's what we mean by sometimes that lead domino. We discount its power. It seems so simple. It almost feels like cheating. Yeah, really? Think about it. If you started asking yourself every single day, what is my one thing today? What's the one thing I can do that would make everything else easier or unnecessary? You would be more likely to actually search for that answer. If you searched for the answer, you'd be more likely to identify what that one thing is. And if you actually had clarity on your one thing on a daily basis, you'd be more likely to do it. And if you started doing it, you'd be getting results and people would start to notice and you'd start asking them the question and they would start getting the results. And then when distractions would pop up, they'd be more likely to say, Hey, I'm in the middle of my one thing right now. And the people around them would be more likely to understand, Oh, snap. They are doing the most important thing right now. Let me respect that and wait till later. And you take, extrapolate that out over a year, two years, five years, 10 years. It's a game changer. The path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time. It all starts by asking the focusing question. It's why if you flip the book over on the back cover, there is a question mark. It's because Gary and Jay, who co-authored the book, asked if we wanted, if there was one thing we wanted somebody to do after reading this book, they wanted you to ask the question, what's my one thing? That is the success habit. Kaylin, I want you to flashback a year. I want you to imagine showing up for your very first day of work about what your prospects for the future looked like. And I want you to compare that to when you, the, the, the woman we're speaking to today, how are your prospects different? What's changed? What's true for me is that I always knew anything was possible. I'm a change maker and I want to make an impact on the world. What's different is that now I know how to take care of myself along the way because I don't have to work all night, every night. And I don't live by a standard of working all the time. My normal is working on the most important things and moving the needle on the things that matter most versus carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and trying to get there, even though my body, my spirit, and my heart are exhausted. Mm, that hits me just because um, it's rewarding to hear that that's the impact that it's had for you over the last year. I mean, we see it so often where people are working long hours and they're cheating themselves out of what it means to live a life. And if you're the person who's listening to this and that, that hits you and it resonates, it's not your fault. When were you shown away? So I think one of the reasons we respect you listening to this show is it says something about you. It says that you want more and you're willing to do something about it. And when you get clear on your one thing, even if it's as simple as asking, what's my one thing today? And you become the type of person who trusts the domino effect that day after day, you ask that question, you find that answer. You put time in your planner and your digital calendar to get it done. You become the type of person who achieves extraordinary results in less time with less stress. That's what it means to demystify living the one thing. Kaylin, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and for coming up with the idea for this. Um, it's just been a pleasure to work with you the last year. And I'm excited to see what we do together over the next couple of years. 
Absolutely. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Kaylin Less, one of our team members here on The One Thing. Folks, while we may not know each other uh, directly, we know that your journey is not all rainbows and sunshine. We know that the principles are really simple. And we know that they're not always easy to live. And I, the thing that I value about this episode is that we can just... Let's cut through all the fog and just get really clear. How do we simplify it down? Can you become the type of person who asks the focusing question on a daily basis? Can you time block your one thing? When you show up to that time block, can you find ways to protect it? That is the foundation of what it looks like to live the one thing. And eventually, you look up and say, great, are there models to help me do this? The answer is yes. It's called a 411 which if you go to the one thing.com, that's what the number one, click on the training page, you will see under the basics uh, course on the 411. It, the, if you want to do it at really a high level, under the foundational courses, you will see the get results with your 411 course. This is a full-blown thing that will help you create your 411 and start holding weekly 411s with your team. I highly suggest going there and checking it out. It's what we do, folks. It's why we go into companies to do this. And it's because we want to help you change the way you view time so that you are taking care of yourself and achieving what matters most. We really appreciate you listening to this show. We're wondering, who's one person that you know that really needs to hear this? Would you be the type of person who would actually share it with them today? What kind of impact could it have on them? It would mean the world to us. And if you are that person that this got shared with, welcome. Nice to meet you. Please press that subscribe button. That means all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And while you're at it, consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player choice. We love getting your feedback and it helps us reach more people and increase the impact that we have on this planet. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate you and we look forward to being with you in the next episode.